The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. We're going to look ahead to the quarterback position by looking back at the quarterback position here on Fantasy Football Today. And of course, we'll get into the divisional playoff matchups, the best weekend of the year, because these are the best playoff games usually season after season or postseason after postseason. I'm Dave Richard. Jamie Eisenberg's with me. Welcome into the show. Uh, who's a player, Jamie, that you can't wait to put into your DFS lineups this weekend? Uh, there's a lot. I think uh, J.K. Dobbins is something I'm going to have a lot of in my lineups. Um, like the setup for him taking on the Bills. Their run defense has been sort of their weakness all season. We saw Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines run well against them last week. So I think Dobbins has an opportunity here to play well. I like that call. He's in my lineups as well. I, I'm going to look at the Browns and the Chiefs game. I think that could end up being a sneaky high-scoring game. I'm not a big believer in either defense. Tyreek Hill is going to be an easy one for me just to put in the lineups and expect a big game from. Except I did check. How many games this year did he have 100 receiving yards or more? Do you, do you know the answer to that one, Jamie? I don't. It's three. Only three times this year. He had a lot of touchdowns. And toward the end of the year, he was rolling, but it was Travis Kelsey who was racking up huge numbers. Maybe I should be leaning toward Kelsey instead of Hill, but Hill is going to be in a lot of my lamps because even with Denzel Ward back, I don't think the Browns secondary is going to do a, a whole heck of a lot. All right. This yeah, episode, that won't be a sneaky high game, high scoring game, Dave. That's the highest scoring. It's over. right. The total is the highest. What is the, what's, do you have the latest total in front of you? Yeah, 54. Okay. So I think they could probably, uh, do I think the Browns can get to 30 points? Maybe. And I, I think the Chiefs can get to right around 32, 33. The last time the Chiefs scored 33 points and lost was back in November of 2018 against the Rams. You remember that game against the Rams. It was awesome. Yep. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right. This episode sponsored by Express. Express is all new and all about you with a fresh assortment of casual, versatile, and super comfortable styles. You can find out more about Express and their exclusive offer later in the show. All right. Before we get into the quarterbacks, before we get into the divisional playoffs, some news and some notes. And let's start with Tampa Bay and their running backs. Ronald Jones did not practice on Wednesday, but Bruce Arians expects him on Thursday. LaShawn McCoy with an illness back at practice. If, if Rojo practices, what's your interest level in putting him in your DFS lineups? I would avoid that backfield altogether. Uh, I just think it'll be a little bit messy. Uh, you know, Fournette coming off what Bruce Arians said was his best game of the season. Uh, he obviously deserves work. It's a tough matchup to begin with. So if there's one guy getting the featured workload like we saw last week, I'm all in on Fournette. If they're both there, I'm out on both. I, I get what you're saying. I'm not sure if it's as tough of a matchup as it was, say, six weeks ago. They've allowed a touchdown, at least one to a running back in four of their past five. 
in those past five games, six total touchdowns, 4.8 yards per carry. But I agree with you. If it's going to be a mess with Fournette taking work away from Rojo and then Lashawn McCoy is in there on certain passing situations, I think you're taking a risk using either one of those guys. Let's move to the Kansas City backfield. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire listed as limited in practice. The Browns have allowed just one rushing touchdown to a running back over their last four games. It was James Conner with his touchdown in the first half last week. What about Edwards Hilaire? Is that a sneaky play? Uh, we just talked about the total in that game. Maybe there's a chance for him to find the end zone. Yeah, I'm, I'm out on him too. I think it's uh, you know a guy that's coming back off a significant injury that hasn't played now in uh, will be a month uh, after missing the final two games of the regular season and a week off. So um, I actually have uh, a lot of Daryl Williams in my lineups. You know, the price is great. Um, as we saw in week 16, the first game without Edwards Hilaire, the first the last game that they played their guys the the majority of the game, uh, he was the lead running back there. And I think in a game where it could be high scoring and they're throwing the ball, Daryl Williams is better than Le'Veon Bell. And I don't think Edward Solaire is going to play very much. Sammy Watkins also did not practice on Wednesday. I'm not sure he's going to end up playing. If Tyreek Hill is going to be an obvious call by me to get into DFS lineups, who's the Chiefs receiver who isn't as obvious? Uh, it'll be Watkins. You know, I, I think he better play after running his mouth last week. So um, <laughs> he, uh, he replied to a, a tweet that Baker Mayfield was asked about in regards to playing the Browns. And he's, you know, I, I guess somebody tweeted at him, uh, looks like some tough competition. And he replied back, are you sure? And uh, Baker was asked about that. So um, I'm going to guess Watkins is out there. And if he does play, then he'll be the second best option. Another guy who thinks the Browns are the Browns. Okay. Cooper cup. Didn't practice on Tuesday and Wednesday, but the Athletics' Jordan Rodriguez says he's expected to play. Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, they were limited in practice on Wednesday. Diggs with the oblique, Beasley with the knee. Uh, Beasley didn't look quite at 100% last week against Indianapolis, but it, I think they'll both play. Latavius Murray is day-to-day with a quad. He should be good to go. Traquan Smith back for New Orleans, so maybe all that Deontay Harris love that we saw last week is going to go to Traquan, or, or maybe they split it. And then there's this, Jamie, and I know you've got an interest in this. Jacksonville could hire Urban Meyer as early as today to be their next head coach. Now, I know you're familiar with Urban. He did some really good things at Florida once upon a time. What do you think this does for the Jaguars and and their future? Well, I think hiring the coordinator is going to be the most important thing because as we've kind of seen from Urban uh, toward the tail end of his Florida tenure and and obviously at Ohio State, his coordinators played a big role. You know, he was – as much a figurehead as he was the head coach, which is not a uh, big surprise in college football, but you know, it's a little bit more hands-on in the NFL and you know, what's he going to do to be the guy in charge of Trevor Lawrence and this offense is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. So you're hearing some things about maybe them bringing in Clemson's offense coordinator, you know, maybe bringing in, uh, you know, somebody a little bit more experienced could be the other side of it. Um, that that's going to be the key for me, but I don't really love this hire. You know, I just think that uh, you're getting a name as opposed to getting somebody who can be there, make this a, a winning organization. Uh, you know, Urban's track record lately has been, you know, get in, get your wins, maybe get a title and, and leave. And health has been an issue for him as well. Hopefully he's hundred percent ready to go. Uh, but um, I don't, I don't love this particular hire with Urban Meyer going. Kind of implement that spread style offense that we saw him develop. And I know that he wasn't the main guy behind it toward the end of his career, like you said, but I, I think that that would be perfect for Trevor Lawrence because he ran something like that at Clemson. So anything that makes Trevor Lawrence comfortable, I'm all for this would be it. There's a new general manager in Denver. It's George Payton and Giants left tackle. Andrew Thomas had ankle surgery. He should be okay for training camp. Adam's not here. That will conclude our Giants talk for this podcast. All right. Uh, A lot of people want to know about what you're wearing, Jamie. Express, they've got 
a whole line of clothes that have been great. We've been talking about it for a long time. You look good today as usual, Jamie. Why don't you talk about Express and, and how you feel wearing their clothes? Yeah, love Express. Uh, starting off 2021 right with a fresh new look, and that's with Express. I just uh, took my kids to school, and uh, it was nice to get some compliments from uh, some of the other moms that were there waiting to drop off their kids and some of the dads asking, hey, where'd you get those clothes? Uh, so Express is fantastic, and, you know, Feeling confident in your clothes matters. You know, looking sharp on the podcast and CBS Sports HQ is certainly something that boosts my confidence and gets me ready to provide the best fantasy advice for, you know, every hour of the day that we're on uh, on HQ and, and certainly here. It's the wrinkle-free fabric. Uh, the wrinkle-resistant fabric is easy to take care of and eliminates the trips to the dry cleaner. So you can start your new year off right with an all-new look with Express. Shop Express in stores and online at express.com now. That's express.com now. Fantastic deals uh, from the holidays that are still carrying over and obviously to uh, start the new year as well. And an easy-to-use site. It's not complicated, and you'll you'll feel comfortable shopping on express.com. Let's talk quarterbacks. 2020 was incredible. Here's, here's a stat just to lead us off on this, Jamie. In 2018, the top 12 fantasy quarterbacks averaged 23.4 points per game. That's a lot. It was the most in a long time. In 2019, it dipped to 21.6. This year, 2020, the year that just finished up, the top 12 average for quarterbacks and fantasy points. This is six points for passing touchdowns, 25.3 points per game. Highest. I can ever remember it being ridiculous amount of points. I attribute a lot of it to rushing and the fact that these quarterbacks, a lot of them that are in the top 12, they did a lot of rushing that stats on top of stats. We've been talking about that for years. I, I you're probably not surprised that it's 25.3 points. Are you? No, uh, especially with what we saw at the start of the season where they weren't calling as many holding calls. You know, the numbers were certainly um, a little bit more significant in the early part of the season than they were as the season tailed on. You know, I mean, weather obviously plays a part in that as well. But um, I think the way that the NFL sort of approached this year with the pandemic, with everything that unfolded, they wanted to make sure that the offensive numbers were high and they didn't call as many of those holding calls that we typically see. That changed as the year went on. So let's talk about a couple of quarterbacks who didn't run that much and still finish strong in fantasy, including Aaron Rodgers. He was QB one. He was drafted as the 11th quarterback current average draft position, average draft position, excuse me, only three quarter or three games all year where he didn't have 27 or more fantasy points. That's again, in six points for passing touchdowns. He threw 48 touchdowns. He ran for three touchdowns. I will talk about Aaron Rodgers and some concerns I have a little bit later on, but I do want to give him credit for uh, definitely an MVP type season. He was outstanding. Nobody gave him credit for him to be able to put together a season quite like this. The touchdowns were amazing. The fact that he did it without an addition to his receiving core uh, was, was equally amazing. And the fact that Aaron Jones was still very good and Aaron Rodgers was off the charts. Also amazing. So applause all around. Where do you have Rogers rank going into 2020, James? Uh, he's just outside the top five. You know, I, I think it's a, another opportunity for him to, you know, still play at a high level. I, I'm curious to see what they're going to do this off season to enhance the receiving core if they do, but if they don't, you know, as long as Devonta Adams stays healthy, um, I do think that we're going to see Aaron Jones move on. So I don't know. So you necessarily have to worry about what those uh, rushing touchdowns that he lost in 2019 that he got back in 2020. Um, in terms of Aaron Rodgers, you know, that that was the biggest difference really was the touchdown total because what he the way he played in 2019 was not significantly far off. I mean, you know, he had 200 more passing yards, essentially 300 more passing yards, essentially, but it was 26 touchdowns compared to 48, you know, and so somewhere in the middle, I think, is where he'll settle. 
Um, obviously, A.J. Dillon looks like he could be a significant contributor in the backfield and, and take on some of those rushing you know, numbers. But I think, you know, with what Rodgers uh, looks like in this offense right now, he feels very comfortable. Offensive line should be really good once again. So uh, there's a lot to like about him coming back next year. There's been an interesting trend that we've seen recently where the number one fantasy quarterback the year before a draft becomes the number one in ADP or, you know, maybe number two in ADP. And I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be even close in 2021 drafts. Remember Lamar Jackson, late round pick quarterback, won the MVP. A lot of people were taking him in round one. I know we weren't. We weren't recommending that, but a lot of people did. His ADP was very high. Mahomes. He actually wasn't the first quarterback drafted, though. It was still Mahomes. It was still Mahomes. How close were they? Do you know that off the top of your head? Uh, No, but I can tell you right now. Okay. But I I know that they were definitely popular, and people reached for him. And I'm not sure if I've gotten any sense that people are willing to reach for Aaron Rodgers the year after his MVP campaign. So I I, I think more people are aware of Aaron, maybe it's just the fact that he's not young and people recognize that 48 touchdowns, really hard to replicate. He can still be really good in 2021, but not number one quarterback good. So maybe it's it's the, the fantasy universe wisening up to the position, or maybe it's just everybody realizing that Aaron Rodgers um, just isn't shouldn't be expected to do well, what I mean, he we did don't, again. We don't have enough data yet to know how they're going to get drafted. So, I mean, we've done two drafts. It's it's a very poor indication of our drafts on how Rodgers will get selected because there are smart people in those leagues that are going to do exactly what you said, which are going to look at it and say he's not going to replicate the season that he had to the same level. And the other quarterbacks that were in within the same range of him have the chance to have maybe a better ceiling in, in 2021 because of their youth, because of their weapons, because of their coach and everything that goes along with what you've seen over the last three to five years. Uh, Jackson was the 10th quarterback, 10th player off the board, second quarterback. Mahomes was the first quarterback. He was taken seventh overall. Okay. So they were like three picks apart in ADP. Yep. Have you, and we'll wrap on Rogers with this. Have you heard from even one person who's asked about Rogers being QB one in drafts in 2021? No, because no, nobody's going to draft them that way. Right. There's not going to be that's a person the difference. That that's that what way I'm saying. outside of Green Bay and, and probably outside of the last name with Rodgers. You know? So um, <laughs> he's, he's going to be a very polarizing player because you know, this, is, this is a guy that he, he had a nine-point jump in his fantasy production. He was a 20.1-point scorer in 2019, and he was 29.9 points in 2020. That's yeah. not necessarily, I, I think, a fair indication on either side of what he's going to do in 2021, unless he just has this unbelievable season again. But if I'm the Packers, I'm going to draft a quarterback again to piss him off. And I'm going to say, uh, <laughs> you know, Hey, look, uh, we don't want you anymore. You're washed up. You're done. Uh, that MVP was a fluke and make him go out and prove it again. And I think he has a chance to be a great passer because that's what he is. I think that's one thing that we kind of got lost in with the 2020 scenario was, their run game was so great. They added another running back with taking A.J. Dillon. He's got the best wide receiver in football. He's got, you know, you said they didn't add anybody to the receiving court, and that's correct, but they found another guy, and that was Robert Tunyon, you know, and I think that's a big part of it is, you know, they found a piece, you know, and, and Lazard was kind of the same. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't blowing the doors off, but he wasn't, you know, a guy that you had to overlook, and Valdez Scantling had his usual, you know, big play here every two, three games, but they found another guy that they can, you know, using the red zone and that he feels comfortable with. And maybe they just find another guy, you know, depending on how they approach the offseason. 
I'm excited to see how he does against this Rams defense this weekend. All right, let's keep it classic with Tom Brady, another old quarterback, and we think he's going to be back in 2021. He was QB7 in six points per passing touchdown leagues. He was tied for second with most touchdowns in the NFL. He had 40, only a couple away from his age. He also ran for two touchdowns. There they are. Now he's got 42 total touchdowns. Uh, where does where does he stack up? He's outside of my top 10 going into 2021. Yeah, I had a tough time between Joe Burrow and, and Brady at the 12 spot. Um, you know, I didn't have him ranked in my top 12. I, I think, you know, you, you got to see this offseason is going to be really big for the Bucs because, you know, if they move on from Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown uh, and Gronk decides not to come back, then this is going to be a tough quarterback to trust because he'll be, you know, going on 45 and this, you know, could be his final season or 44, excuse me. Um, but, you know, could be his final season. Uh, we got to see how this year finishes up for him. I think he'll be a great value uh, based on how he's, going to play in this offense, you know, assuming that Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich are back, which seems to be the case, unless Byron Leftwich gets a coaching job. Uh, but, you know, Brady's got, if he has Evans and Godwin and, and and maybe Antonio Brown, that's not really the one that's going to sway it for me so much. But if he loses both, it's more of a, a tougher sell. But, uh, you know, if he has one of those two guys back with Evans, then I think he's, he's in the conversation to still be a number one quarterback. But, uh, again, age, how much that can be a factor? What did they do, this, you know, rest of the team this offseason? You know, so... Brady is, is a guy that uh, you'll be happy to settle for, but not somebody you want to target. Yeah, it's a perfect way to put it. Mm. And I should Ageism. say that I have two guys in my top 12 ahead of him, or one guy for sure, is uh, Jalen Hurts. Taysom Hill's in the conversation, but uh, yeah. really it's looking like Jalen Hurts is not going to be the starting quarterback for the Eagles. I've got Hill ahead of him. I've got Burrow ahead of him. I've got Justin Herbert ahead of him. I don't know how many of these names are actually surprises or not, but I would expect a letdown year from Brady if if he plays next year, and if it is his last year, it could be a letdown just based on him being so old, the receiving core not being the same, just doing it all over again. I think that would be trust. But he so, had a yep. great season. I mean, you know, give him credit. I, you can't take it away from him. It's really true. Sir, second time, uh, second most touchdowns he's ever thrown for. And, you know, to do it without an offseason, to do it, you know, with learning all these guys, with Godwin battling injuries, with Evans battling injuries, not having Brown until the second half of the season. Um, you know, he, he really had a, a fantastic 2020 campaign. And it pushes the narrative that it was Brady, not Belichick, that made things work in New England. Um, yeah, not really surprised by that. So based on all this, would you consider drafting a non-running quarterback in 2021? I'm always going to lean toward the dual threat guys, you know, depending on who we're talking about, um, which is why, you know, I mentioned Jalen Hurts and Taysom Hill are attractive. You know, you, you look at what... Hill did in the four starts that he made for Drew Brees. You know, the rushing totals were fantastic. You look at what uh, Jalen Hurts did in his final three starts, you know, well, four starts if you want to throw them in the, uh, the Week 17 game when he ran for two scores. But the first three starts, he had over 63 yards rushing. So those guys give you a certain floor that you can't replicate with these other guys the way they throw the ball. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, what we've seen, Kyler Murray was at his best when he was running. Um, those guys are difference makers. Josh Allen's a difference maker, you know. So, um you know, there, there's there's a lot more to like about those guys. And obviously, you know, you start to see when age factors. And I mean, think about the guys that we're talking about. Rogers is 37. Brady's yep. 43. Uh, Matt Ryan is not a mobile quarterback. He's, you know, approaching his late or he's in his late 30s. Um, Roethlisberger was, you know, still very good throwing the ball. Uh, he's not mobile at all anymore, you know, for what he used to at least give you in the early part of his career a little bit. You know, so you're seeing Russell Wilson run a little bit less. Now that changed in the second half of the season. But overall, the latter part of his career, he's not running as much, you know, so. The flip side of that is you chase some of these running quarterbacks like we did with Cam Newton, and it ends up hurting you. You know, now Cam is clearly not the same guy. He's a shell of himself. But uh, typically, these running quarterbacks are going to give you a floor that you can't find anywhere else, and that's why they're so good. Let's talk flukes. 
we we started this conversation on the FFT and five podcast that was dropped earlier today. Uh, you picked Justin Herbert as as your fluke candidate for 2020. He had five rushing touchdowns, a couple hundred yards rushing as well. Go over that again for everybody who might have missed it on FFT and five. Why do you think Justin Herbert's going to be a fluke? It's it's not something that I'm going to uh, stand pat on. It's just kind of right now of not knowing who the coach is, not knowing what the offseason is going to hold for the Chargers, uh, specifically if they lose a guy like Hunter Henry. And you look at the numbers, and it kind of coincides when Henry got hurt and Austin Eckler came back. You know, from week 12 on, he had three games under 20 fantasy, four games under 20 fantasy points, only two of them over. One of them was week 17. Mm-hmm. And so did he hit a rookie wall? Did things get tough for him? Did the running game get better? Did he lose, you know, key weapon? Keenan Allen missed time down the stretch as well. So um, I'm still dra- uh, ranking Justin Herbert as a top 10 quarterback. I'm still going to draft him as a top 10 quarterback. But if there's a guy that falls in this category for me uh, of what could be a fluke, it's a guy that, you know, you don't have a lot of track record on. So I hope Herbert's uh, a star once again. And the coach, I think, will, will certainly matter to what they bring in and if they replace Absolutely. Hunter Henry or bring back Hunter Henry. But for right now on you know January 14th, he's the guy that falls in this category for me. And just the guy that you're staying away from in our drafts unless he falls to a no, certain point. No, I'm not point. staying away from him at all. I'm just saying right, right now, just given the, the nature of what the question was, um, you know, looking at the guys who finished as standout quarterbacks, they're not the obvious ones that could fall off because of age or, you know, situation changing. He's the one that falls in this category for me. In our PPR mock draft, he went 84th overall, last pick of round seven. Rodgers was the pick right before him. Which one is the one that you would take at, at the end of round seven, Rogers. beginning of round eight? Right. Where Would you feel comfortable taking Herbert at that point? No. I mean, I'm no. just not going to take quarterbacks that early, personally. Yeah, I get it. All right. Why don't I make the case for Aaron Rodgers being the fluke of 2020? at quarterback because he put up all those huge points. You actually talked about this already. He had 29.1 fantasy points per game in 2020 in 2019. I've got him at 19.9 2018, 21.8. So he wasn't even that great, especially when you consider that the top 12 average is now 25. That's the number that we're, we should be hoping for and praying for from our fantasy quarterbacks on a week in week out basis. He didn't come close to that in 2018 or 2019. And here's a stat that really stood out to me in 2020. He had nine games with 30-plus fantasy points. In 2019 and 2018 combined, he had seven. So he didn't hit that ceiling very often in those past two seasons. And I don't know. I, I have a hard time buying into him replicating even even getting to 38 touchdowns, much less 48 passing touchdowns. So I'm nervous to, to draft Aaron Rodgers. But when, when I see him go in round seven, after the season he just had, I'm not going to fault anybody for taking him at that point. But this just to piggyback on what I was saying earlier, I think anybody that spends that early-ish round pick on Aaron Rodgers is making a mistake. I think you're investing too much in a guy who does have a recent track record, two of those past three years, of not giving you the fantasy point totals that that you might be, uh, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think he can be very good doing it. And I don't want people to overpay for him. So I don't, I, he's out for me as far as like a top five round pick, maybe round six. You could talk me into it. Late round seven, like we saw in our drafts, I'm fine with it. Bounce back candidates, a quarterback. Jamie, you've got Lamar Jackson as your bounce back candidate. He, he kind of bounced back during the 2020 season where he, he didn't start off super hot. And then like toward the end of the year, it just felt like the Ravens were saying, all right, Lamar, you do you, you do it well. And then I felt like his numbers were better off toward the end of the season. Is that what you saw too? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, the way he finished the season, if you made the fantasy playoffs with him, you were, you were thrilled because he started to play like the guy that you were drafting if you took him as the 10th overall player or certainly in the first two rounds. But the first 10 games of the season, he was a disaster, only four games over 20 fantasy points. And so, you know, that guy lets you down in a big way. And so which Lamar Jackson are you going to get in 2021? The guy that we're seeing closing the year or the guy that they were, you know, maybe trying to do some things with and tinker some of the offense with, you know, to make him a little bit more of a, of a pocket passer, uh, to enhance his throwing. Um, you know, the rushing numbers were good. They just weren't the same. And the turnovers were a problem. So uh, Lamar Jackson's still going to be a top five caliber quarterback, maybe number one, as we saw in 2019. But uh, the way that he performed in 2020 just was not up to the standards of, I think, what people were hoping for. And that's why we said, you know, there could be a little bit of a letdown while you don't chase numbers from the previous season. Well, in this case, yes. you're chasing those final, you know, five games, uh, including the playoffs. And hopefully he comes back and plays at that level for the entire season. Okay. You've got Lamar Jackson over Aaron Rodgers in your rankings, right? Uh, right now I have Rodgers higher, but that's one that I'll change. Uh, so in our, in our, P- I'm sorry, in, in our PPR draft, Lamar Jackson went two picks ahead of Rodgers in round seven. Uh, reaction? Uh, I mean, there's more upside with Lamar. Again, it's, it's the rushing floor, you know, that, that we saw. And uh, Rodgers, with the season that he had, you know, just comparing MVP to MVP, fantasy-wise, Lamar Jackson 2019 was better. So, you know, both guys play their best at this point in their career. Rodgers just showed you what his best is. I don't think he gets better. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I think, can get better as a fantasy quarterback. And again, you know, the, the production over the final five games of the regular season was 29 points or more. That was what Rodgers averaged. You know, so I'll take the guy that has that ceiling uh, over the guy that has, I think, the safer floor. Rodgers has a safer floor, but Jackson's ceiling is higher. Okay, so they both went in round seven of our PPR mock. That was our very first mock. And maybe there was a market correction right after that because in our half PPR mock, and it's still, I believe, still six points for passing touchdowns for quarterbacks in both of the drafts. Jackson went in round four. Rodgers went in round nine. Round nine for Rodgers is really good. Round four for Lamar Jackson doesn't necessarily strike me as a bad deal either, knowing what his upside is. If, if you had to pick, yeah. I mean, you're going to see, you know, the quarterbacks go closer to that range in most drafts. So round yeah. four is probably a safe spot for Jackson, and probably you'll see Rodgers go around five, round six. You would probably rather have Rodgers in round nine than Jackson in round four. Yeah, right? they're going to, you know, I, like I said, the first the first uh, rankings that we did, and I think we've explained this enough with uh, how we went over it, that this was uh, just our initial run and, you know, stuff we did in week 17. And so Rodgers was one spot ahead of Jackson for me. If we you know, were to display our rankings on the site right now, Jackson would be higher. Yeah, I've got Jackson higher for sure. My bounce back candidate is a guy that wasn't drafted in either of our mocks. He wasn't even on fantasy rosters at the end of the year. And this is me just kind of spitballing ideas. But maybe Carson Wentz can find his back to a starting job, whether it's in Philadelphia or somewhere else. And it sounds like Philadelphia is realistic now because they fired Doug Peterson and sounds like owner Jeffrey Lurie wants to try and make things right with Carson Wentz. He kind of intimated that in his press conference this past week. He was terrible in 2020. He got benched. Jalen Hurts came in. Everybody knows that. But he was quarterback eight in 2019, QB 12 in fantasy points per game in 2019. I, I think if the – let's just say he stays in Philadelphia. The offensive line is going to be better. They can continue to add to their receiving core. They'll have an offensive system that if they do commit to Wentz, it'll be built around Wentz. If they don't commit to Wentz, but they still keep Wentz, then it'll still be a system that he should be at least solid in. I'm not so sure that we've seen the last of Carson Wentz as a a fantasy asset and someone who people might be able to take with one of their last three picks. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he has uh, a lot of potential. Um, you know, you just wonder, is, is he broken? Is he broken physically? Is he broken mentally um, after everything that's gone on? You know, he hasn't been the same guy since the ACL tear in 2017. He had the back injury in 2018 when he tried to come back. And, you know, uh, obviously uh, the, uh, the the way the 2020 season unfolded for him mentally is the one you got to worry about. But, you know, was he at odds with Doug Peterson? Uh, and is the new coach coming in if they do recommit to Carson Wentz, which is what the tea leaves kind of tell you based on the move to get rid of Doug Peterson? Does the new coach come in and say, I want Wentz to be my guy? Or do I want Hurts to be my guy? You know, and, and that's going to depend on who the head coach is. So, uh, if Wentz is the starting quarterback in Philadelphia, you still have to worry about one bad game, two bad games, and he's back on the bench because they have a guy that you know you, you've at least seen a little bit now, and may have a little bit more juice and more upside. So, uh, I don't think many people are going to draft Carson Wentz, even if he's a starter in one quarterback leagues. But he could be a, a, a significant waiver wire add if things kind of fall in line for him. Uh, based on how this offseason goes. And there's two ways things could break for him. Obviously, the one that you just mentioned, or he does move on to a different team and it ends up being a good situation. We'll see how that goes. Who's done? Who are you just... You're not going to recommend drafting this guy, period, end of story, at the quarterback position. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, obviously, is, is is scary. You know, you just look at uh, the way that the season ended, and and that includes the playoff loss to the Browns, where he threw for 500 yards and four touchdowns, but he had four interceptions and just did not play very well overall until it was in this hurry-up mode. And I think for the Steelers, you know, the, the MO this offseason is fix the run game. Uh, that's got to be a big part of getting back to Pittsburgh's identity, helping the quarterback, because that was a big part, I think, of what, you know, fell on Ben Roethlisberger having to – carry the offense too much for a guy at his age. Now, maybe a full off season of just working as opposed to rehab helps him because he was coming back from the elbow injury. And I don't think that he's completely done as a starting fantasy quarterback throughout the course of a season, but to draft him as one, no, you can't do it anymore. I, I, I think I agree with that one too. Um, even if they brought back every single piece of that Steelers offense, as far as the passing game goes and the offensive line is improved, I still don't want to take the chance on that. Maybe like I would take him ahead of Wentz right now as one of my last three picks, something like that. But that's under the circumstance that Juju's still there, Deontay's still there, that the offensive line is a little bit better. I went with the low-hanging fruit for for my done quarterback is Cam Newton. Uh, five games this year where he finished as a top 12 fantasy quarterback. He averaged 17 fantasy points per game, had more rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns, just really did not feel like he... Um, was able to deliver after the first couple of weeks of the season. And we don't know where he's going to be playing next year. I think it's pretty easy to say that Cam Newton's not going to be a part of fantasy in 2021. So let's just move on to guys who will and guys who will break out. And I, you already, you already planted your flag on Joe Burrow. Everybody's going to agree with it. It's, it's an awesome call. He should be fine and ready to go for 2021. What for, for people who might be skeptical, what are they missing on Joe Burrow and why he could still be a very, very good fantasy quarterback moving forward? Well, I mean, you know, you just look at what you saw in, in the first uh, 10 games that he was able to play. He got hurt in week 11, so uh, or nine games uh, that he was able to play. And, and you just look at a guy that, again, no offseason, um, figuring his way out in the NFL, coming off the, the college pedigree that he showed you uh, at LSU. And, you know, just the hope that, He's ready to go by the time they get to training camp or, you know, at least as uh, close to full strength as he could potentially be. And whatever they do to find that third piece, you know, they're, they're, they're going to 
bring in a third receiver unless they surprise us and bring back AJ Green, but I don't think that's going to be the case. But you know, for a guy who uh, uh, learning on on the fly, thrust into the position uh, right away, he was the number six quarterback in passing yards per game at two sixty eight point eight yards uh, passing. You know, and the guys that went ahead or were better than him: Mahomes, Watson, Brady, Herbert, Ryan, and Allen. And I think Burrow for, you know, the, the way that I think the drafts will go and the way that it kind of went for our two mock drafts that we've done, if, you know, you just want to use that as a small sample size, mm-hmm. is people are going to shy away from him for the standpoint of the injury, probably the biggest concern, but also, you know, what, which guy are you getting? Because he was a little erratic, obviously, you know, 13 touchdowns, five interceptions, but he showed you some of the big ceiling games, um, you, you know, two of them against the Browns. But I think, you know, the, the receiving core is going to be good, uh, could be great, whatever the third guy is. But, you know, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are certainly a good starting point. Uh, getting another piece of the offensive line is going to be big. I think that's what they do in the draft. And then we'll see just how he comes back from his, uh, from his rehab. But uh, for a guy that you can get as, a, as the 10th quarterback off the board or later, because I kind of think that's where he'll end up going, there's so much upside and so much potential. I agree 100%. I think he's got all kinds of upside. And the rushing numbers that he had weren't bad either. His 16-game pace put him really close to what Justin Herbert had, five touchdowns. He scored three touchdowns on the ground, but his pace was five. Uh, his, his pace was a little bit more than 200 rushing yards. Maybe he does a little bit better than that. Jamie, you got him in round 11 in our first PPR draft, and I was jealous of the pick. I thought that that was an outstanding choice. And he was your starter, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I looked at it that, uh, you know, our, our, it's a mock draft for one, two, our leagues, the, the, the analyst leagues that we do, uh, we don't see a lot of uh, the managers taking two quarterbacks. So, you know, was it worth my time to draft Kirk Cousins or Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford or one of these guys to, to just put them on my roster? No, if they, we were playing this out, I might have done that just to, you know, secure clearly uh, a quarterback knowing that Burrow coming off the injury. And I hate drafting this early in the year because there are so many players that we're taking late that just aren't going to end up mattering. So I did take Burrow as my second quarterback in our second draft, and I did it in round 10. I don't think I would probably do that when I'm taking Deshaun Watson earlier in drafts, which is what I did in our half PPR. But I think he's just, I, I think we just have to drive the point home that he is a back half of the draft potential league winner. I'm, I'm in love with the talent. I think he's going to be great. My break, I, and to me, there's the breakout list for quarterbacks in 2021 is going to be real easy. It's going to be a lot of the guys that are second year players. Tua is going to be on a lot of lists, for example. Um, Jalen Hurts could be on the list. I went with Sam Darnold for the simple reason that he's not being coached by Adam Gase anymore. And we know that he's got some good talent. We, have, I've got, I don't have stats to back up Sam Darnold as, a, as an effective quarterback and someone who's suddenly going to turn it on in fantasy. But the, the, the basics in New York are that their offensive line got better toward the end of the year. They'll continue to improve it. Hopefully they hire a head coach who can be someone that can work with Darnold. Or they trade Darnold, he goes to another team, and he ends up falling into a spot where he can work with a great coach there and the offensive line is good there. So hopefully he's not in that damaged goods category that you put Carson Wentz in. And he can end up being somebody that I don't think anybody's going to draft Sam Darnold in a one-quarterback league, but off the waiver wire, maybe he does have a chance to do something. It's going to be an interesting offseason for him, for sure. Yeah, we got San Francisco as a potential destination. You know, that's something you've heard a little bit. Uh, I mean, the Jets could keep him. You know, it's uh, wouldn't be that dr- drastic of a surprise, you know, just if they're not in love with the non-Trevor Lawrence quarterbacks. Uh, and, you know, they have two picks in the first round, you know, so they have some wiggle room to, to decide what they want to do. 
they might have more if they trade out of the number two spot too. So sky's the limit for the Jets. It'll be interesting to see what they do. We're going to take a break. When we come back, matchup previews for the divisional playoffs. Get your DFS lineups ready to go. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. If I had to rank the playoff games for this weekend, there's no question in my mind that the the one that I'm least looking forward to is the first one that we'll get. It's the Rams at the Packers. I do think it'll be interesting to see how the Rams' defense does against Green Bay's offense, but I think Green Bay's defense is going to have their way with the Rams. I think the Packers win going away. We're going to give you a favorite play and a sleeper slash cheap play from each game uh, for DFS Jamie, who's your favorite play? Rams at Packers. Uh, it's Cam Akers. You know, I, I, I look at what he uh, has done with his workload. You know the Rams are going to try and run the ball. That's been the Packers' weakness for the majority of the season. There's not a lot of great running backs on the slate this week, you know, just given some of the matchups. Like, I think Akers at his price point is better than Aaron Jones at his price point, just knowing what the way these two defenses match up. So I'll take Akers at 5,700 on DraftKings as my favorite play. The Packers' defense is, is a little expensive 3,900 on, on DraftKings. They're the top ranked defense for the week and they're second on FanDuel at 4,600, but I don't hate it. And and I think that the Rams are going to have a hard time here. The Packers, I think their defense has been playing great for a while. Playing at home is going to help golf on the road outdoors. It's going to be cold. I think it's going to be tough on him. I could see the green Bay defense certainly getting a couple turnovers and a couple of sacks. So that's going to be my favorite play in the game. Best sleeper slash cheap play. I'll go first. I'll say it's Valdez Scantling, who at 3,800 on DraftKings, 5,500 on FanDuel, um, outside of the top 14 as far as salary goes at the wide receiver position. Just a boom-bust play. We know that Ramsey won't be on him. Not sure how the Rams are going to be able to deal with that speed. I think Rodgers can work, even without Bakhtiari at left tackle, and even with Valdez on the COVID list. I think the Packers can protect Rodgers enough for him to uncork a couple of lobs for Valdez Scantling. I think he's a good cheap play. Yeah, my favorite is Robert Tunyon. Uh, I, I think, you know, that's a, a spot you can attack the Rams defense. Uh, Tanyan, $4,200 on DraftKings. Uh, he's he's uh, a tight end for me in one lineup, a flex in another. Um, you know, we've seen the touchdown certainly there. And I think if Adams does have a tough time with Ramsey and the Rams trying to take him away, uh, Valdez Scantling certainly has a much higher ceiling. Lazard might have a higher ceiling, but I, I think Tunyon is going to be somebody that gets peppered with targets in this matchup. And he's one of my favorite plays across the board, not just in this game. Would you consider the Green Bay stack of Rodgers and Adams this week, knowing that a lot of people are going to see Jalen Ramsey and not use that stack? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, you know, uh, from a contrarian standpoint, you know, if you played that with DK makeup last week, you're pretty thrilled about it. You know, he scored two touchdowns. One of them came on Ramsey. It was at the mm-hmm. end of the game. It was the garbage yep. time touchdown. 
The other one was, uh, you know, he was, there was a broken play where Russell Wilson was escaping the pocket. And I don't think Ramsey even started the play on Metcalf. So, um, you know, Metcalf getting you two touchdowns, it clearly can happen. You know, we saw Stephon Diggs scoring Ramsey earlier this season. He gives up touchdowns. He just, you know, it's, it's natural. He's just one of, one of the best corners, if not the best corners in football. So it's not going to be easy for Adams. Plus the coverage that the, the, the Rams play, uh, Adams doesn't typically have a lot of success against. So they're going to make things uh, uncomfortable for him. And I think that's where Rodgers has a little bit of a tough time. But I do agree with you that the Rams win. I just don't think they win it going away. I think it's going to be a close game and the Rams actually cover. Okay. Interesting. Adams is the highest priced wide receiver on both sites, but he's only 400 more on FanDuel than DraftKings. So if you're looking for an edge, if you plan on spending up that money, doing it on FanDuel probably makes a lot of sense because the prices are so close together. Ravens-Bills. This is the game I can't wait to see. This is my favorite playoff game of the weekend. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. And uh, I, I I don't know if there's a bad play in the game. I think the most popular play, and, and the guy that I'll go with is a guy that's going to be in my lineups, is Devin Singletary. With Zach Moss out, uh, the talk in Buffalo, at least according to reports, is that Singletary will get the majority of the workload there. And his price is cheap. You, you see that he only needs 13.5 PPR points on DraftKings to make three times value. This sounds funny, and maybe people will think that it's actually low. But in 12 of 17 games, the Bills running backs combined for at least 13 and a half PPR points. And you think about 13 and a half PPR points. What the hell is that when it comes to running backs? You know, three catches, 100 total yards. If you get a touchdown and 70 total yards. I mean, you see that all the time. It seems like an easy bar to cross. And they only they they only did it only in quotes 12 of 17 times this season. But if Singletary is getting all the work, I've got a lot of confidence in him coming through there. His price is 1,200 more on FanDuel. So I think he's a better use on DraftKings than FanDuel, but he's the guy that I think is my favorite play in the game. Uh, all things considered, in a game where we like a lot of guys, Jamie. Yeah, I'm going to go Mark Andrews. Uh, you know, I think you're going to see the uh, the Ravens um, lean on him um, if the game plan is to follow what the Colts just did. And we know Mark Andrews is clearly a, a big piece of what this passing game is, especially if they do end up chasing points. So the Colts, despite the fact that the Bills have typically done defending tight ends with Matt Milano on the field, uh, 14 catches, 136 yards, and a touchdown, 16 targets. If Mark Andrews gets anything close to you know his typical 8 to 10 targets, then he's going to have a big game, I think, based on the way that he typically plays when the targets are up. Uh, had six targets against the Titans, four catches, 41 yards. I, I think he'll be better than that. I think he scores. So he's my favorite tight end play this week, not named Travis Kelsey. Do you have a favorite cheapie for this game? Um, yes. Uh, Singletary certainly qualifies for that. Um, I had a guy... Uh, you know, I'm going to go back to John Brown. Uh, I like the fact that he ran uh, 40 routes on the 41 dropbacks that, that Josh Allen had. And I think he's going to come back and play at a much better level. It's a revenge game for him. Spent one year in Baltimore. So uh, with Josh Allen, you know, while Devin Singletary has an opportunity here, this is Josh Allen's offense. He's going to throw the ball all over the place. And I think John Brown, um, people are going to stay away from him after what happened last week where he didn't have a catch on one target. Uh, he'll bounce back and play at a much higher level this week. Call me crazy. I'm going to go with the Ravens defense as a sleeper just on the hunch that they can sack Josh Allen a couple of times. They can turn him over a couple of times. They've got a feisty secondary. They got off to a rough start against Ryan Tannehill last week, and then they settled down and they shut him down. I know comparing Ryan Tannehill to Josh Allen, forget it. It's not even close. And Josh Allen's been playing great this year. I, I think the Ravens are going to give him a game. I, I think the Ravens can actually win. And I think that their defense can come up with a couple of turnovers. It'll be a high-scoring game, but maybe they score on top of it. And the key for me is that they're the sixth most expensive DST 
on a week where there's only eight teams playing and they're talented. 2,800 on DraftKings, 3,600 on FanDuel. I like them. I'm going to put them in my lineup. Maybe it's contrarian to do so. And, and maybe it's, it's stupid. It'll end up being stupid to do so. But I, I think that they can put up just enough numbers to come up with good value uh, as, as a defense this week. Go ahead. Call me stupid. No, it's not a bad call. I mean, look, Josh Allen's uh, had some fumble issues this season. So this is defense that's getting healthy at the right time. So hopefully they, they, can, uh, they can play at that level for, for you and the other people that are trusting Okay, two defenses that we definitely should not use, although some people might put them in their lamps for whatever reason. I don't know why they would use the Browns' defense against the Chiefs, and I'm not sure why they'd use the Chiefs' defense against the Browns. Should be a high-scoring game. This game is going to be on CBS. You can watch it on CBS All Access, by the way, Sunday at 3 o'clock. Favorite play in this game, Jamie? Is there someone that you really love? I mean, you know, the, the Chiefs guys are the the clear favorites. Uh, but, you know, if you want to go the other way, um, obviously the Browns guys are going to be a better price point. So mm-hmm. I'll take Jarvis Landry. He's been on a nice little roll. Um, again, chasing points. I don't buy this. this, uh, this uh, their numbers against receivers are as good as it's been. We talked about that a lot throughout the course of the season. And so uh, chasing points, Landry, uh, Kareem Hunt as well. Both those two guys are going to be a lot of my lamps. I like Baker. I like him as he's the sixth most expensive quarterback on FanDuel, seventh on DraftKings. He's super-duper cheap. I actually love him on DraftKings. He's 2100 less on DraftKings than he is on FanDuel. So just an amazing bargain. And uh, I, I do wonder just how good this Kansas City defense is and what they've allowed against opposing quarterbacks gives me some hope for Baker Mayfield in this game. They've allowed multiple passing touchdowns in eight straight games, 300 yards allowed in three of their past four, four of their past six. Baker himself has at least two passing touchdowns in five of his past seven. I also think he's going to have to throw a ton. So I, I like him. I think it's it's even a little contrarian because not a lot of people are going to turn to Baker Mayfield against Kansas City in a game where, oh, the Browns, you know, they got lucky last week. Now they're going to get walloped this week. I, I think he can come through, and I think he can return at least four times value for can, for against Kansas City for the Browns. My sleeper in the game is someone he's going to throw to, Austin Hooper. Chiefs have allowed a touchdown to a tight end in each of their last two games, three of their past four. Hooper scored in each of his past two and three of his past four. He's gotten at least six – he's averaged, sorry, 6.8 targets per game over his past six. And Kansas City, 12 times this year, this isn't so great for him, but 12 times this year they've seen a tight end with at least five targets – Four have scored. Seven have given you at least 12 PPR points. And again, Baker's going to throw a lot. I think Hooper can have a pretty decent matchup. And he's cheaper compared to a lot of other tight ends on the board. So he's my favorite cheap play in that game. Jamie, who's your favorite cheap play in that game? Uh, Richard Higgins, you know, again, just a similar setup. Uh, chasing points. He's the second receiver in this offense. Uh, you know, we, we, we've seen some big games from him throughout the course of the season. So uh, based on his price point, $4,100 on DraftKings, I'll, I'll take my chance with Richard Higgins this week. Yep, outside of the top 15 priced wide receivers on both DraftKings. And uh, I was like Daryl Williams at $4,000, you know, just give Yeah, the, you talked the about that. What the, the Chiefs running back situation is. Daryl Williams is 4800 on FanDuel, 4000 on DraftKings. I, I think if, he's, if he retains that third down role, and it would make perfect sense that he would, gets three or four catches, finds the end zone, he easily gives you three times value. Not a bad play at all. Let's go to the Senior Bowl. And I say the Senior Bowl because it's two seniors at quarterback playing in this game. It's Brady against Breeze. Round three. There have only been two games all season where Tampa Bay has either not won or not lost by three or fewer points. You follow me? Only two games where they've been blown out. 
Okay. And they were both against New Orleans. An 11-point loss to New Orleans in week one. A 35-point loss to New Orleans in week nine. I think it'll be a closer game than that this time around. It's hard to beat a team three times in one season. That's a narrative that everybody's throwing around. A favorite play in this game, Jamie Eisenberg. Uh, favorite play in this game is probably going to be Drew Brees. Uh, you know, just looking at the way the quarterback pricing is and, you know, what he's doing. This is... Uh, barring a Rams victory, his last game in New Orleans, potentially, ever. And so I, I think he's going to want to go out and go out his way, uh, throwing the ball a little bit. Uh, I think he's going to throw to Alvin Kamara quite a bit in this game. The Bucks have been awful against pass-catching running backs all season. I think he's going to throw to Jared Cook in this game a lot as well. Uh, so I, I like the setup for Drew Brees in this matchup. Tampa Bay is a lot of touchdown and or 70 yards to a tight end in four of their past five games. Cook had 80 yards in week one. He only had 30 yards in week nine. Trotman and Hill each scored in week nine. Those are the other tight ends in New Orleans. I think the tight ends will be involved. Breeze will lean on him. Breeze is my favorite play in this game as well, but Cook is going to be right behind him. Uh, he probably would have been a good cheap play for me to say. I don't know if I necessarily have a second one now. So do you have a cheap play? In yeah, this Antonio game? Brown. Cheap. Uh, he's the cheapest of the three receivers. Um, you know, Mike Evans typically struggles in this matchup. Uh, you know, Marshawn Lattimore hasn't had the same type of season, but he's still frustrated Evan in the two matchups that these two teams met. Um, Godwin obviously is, is, is back to getting a ton of targets as we saw last week. You know, Brown uh, didn't have a huge game in uh, in the in the matchup last week for for Tampa Bay, but I still think that he is uh, you know has a chance to keep his touchdown streak going. Could be five in a row, and uh, based on his price point, fifty four hundred dollars on DraftKings, I'll play him this week a lot. You know, John Brown. Was, was a good call because he had a terrible game last week and maybe not a lot of people are going to chase that or, or trust it. I think the same could be said for Emmanuel Sanders and the fact that he's at 4,500 on DraftKings, 5,700 on FanDuel, won't be popular. And I think the Bucks defense just, I, I don't know how great it is against the pass. And you sound like you're on board with Breeze. I'm on board with Breeze. Sanders is going to be a target for Breeze. I think he could be a pretty decent play as well. Before we get into our Apple podcast questions, I want to let you know that Fantasy Football Today in 5 is still going on. Sportsline's Jacob Gibbs is joining me for a special player props edition of FFT and 5 tomorrow for the playoff game. So you'll get some stats you need to know for props and DFS in just five minutes. Jamie, we've got some Apple podcast questions to get to, and then we'll wrap it up. Sure. From the capital of Canada, that's Ottawa. And uh, th this is a question perfect for you, Jamie. When okay. do you expect to be paid out for your league winnings? Buddy invited me to his, his friend's money league with a $50 buy-in. It's his first time being in a paid league. He won, but the league is disorganized, and people are sending me money individually instead of to the commission at the beginning of the year. So when is it fair to ask the commissioner for all of the winnings? And is the Ottawa senator writing us in being too impatient? Um, I think you should uh, expect to be paid when the regular season is over. Um, but, you know, obviously every league is different and every person that you play with is, is different. Um, so uh, for me, with uh, the leagues that I run, my personal leagues with my friends, I try to play the, pay them at the end of the season uh, because this is something that for the most part they're doing, you know, for, uh, for their entertainment and for their own, you know, personal uh, pleasure. Uh, the leagues that we play with, you know, our colleagues, I'm not as, you know, certainly stringent as, Hey, you got to pay, you got to pay, you got to pay because I expect them to pay. And so I'm at the process uh, at the point of um, the process now for me is tracking down our colleagues who haven't paid. And I'm not going to call anybody by name, but you know, there, there are a few people that uh, certainly our audience has listened to that haven't paid up yet. So 
Uh, those are the ones that, you know, I usually get called out for because uh, those are the ones that you guys know that I don't pay out right away. Uh, I, I owe Dave money, for example, for finishing second in a league. Yeah, um, I don't want to talk about that. So uh, <laughs> in, in any event, uh, you know, now now's, we're, we're two weeks past the end of the regular season. You know you owe me money, pay up. <laughs> so I'm going to start I, tracking down. I'm not one of those guys, am I? No, you pay. I, I, okay. I owe you money. Okay, yeah, yeah. But even if you owe me money, like, uh, I don't want to be that guy. I don't think anybody... Lo- wants to be that guy that owes money at the end of the year no so, no, so don't uh, be that you know, guy i mean we have we have a couple of analyst leagues that uh you know uh some of the analysts from other sites have yet to pay me you know again i don't, I don't like to be that guy throughout the course of the season saying hey you owe i usually make it pretty clear when i send out the playoff matchups please pay up <laughs> you know please pay up i want to make mm-hmm. sure you pay everybody by the end of the uh end of the playoffs but you know, it's typically the, those are the leagues where uh, I get the most criticism for because those are the ones you guys know. But the the personal leagues I pay play in, those are the ones I try to pay out by week uh, seventeen. And is the solution to this just asking everybody to pay before the draft? And if you don't pay, then you don't draft. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think especially when you know you have um, you know people in reserve that could take those spots if people are going to be you know pushing back on that. You know, so hey, you don't want to pay? Um, all right, you lose your you lose your team. From T twenty eleven, dear Billy, Leroy, Dewey, and Luscious. Uh, no idea. I don't. I don't either. After years of listening, a buddy and I, I decided. Lucius, what's that? I think it's Lucius. Lucius. Okay. After years of listening, a buddy and I decided to finally host a dynasty league. What are your thoughts on using kickers and DSTs slash IDPs in dynasty? We should probably make this two separate conversations. The first conversation, very short. Kickers in dynasty, Jamie. You don't have to use them solely your your choice. If you use kickers and you like it, then use them. If you don't, you don't have to. All right. DSTs versus IDPs and Dynasty. I play in you know two dynasty leagues. Uh one uh is uh DSTs, no IDP, one is IDP, no DSTs. That's the one that you and I play in and the one that you won this past season. Um IDPs are certainly fun. Uh, you know, it's Heath Cummings runs that league. He does a great job with how he set it up where we use two defensive linemen, two linebackers, two DBs, and one flex. So it's as close to a full roster of IDPs as you'll find. Um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people like to just use you know one D, one defensive lineman, one linebacker, one DB, and one flex. You can go that route if you want to. Um, I don't typically spend a lot of my focus on the defensive guys uh, in that league. Aside from you know, if I if I see that there's a young player that I think has a chance to be special. When we get to our rookie draft, I'll draft those guys. Like, for example, this past year, I took Patrick Queen and um, Chase Young. So I, I feel pretty good about those two players as cornerstones of my defense. And in the first draft that we did, I took Joey Bosa. So, you know, when we started the league. So yep. those three players are, are kind of the cornerstones of my of my IDP uh, core. You know, so it just depends on what you want to do. But for the DSTs, it's... it's uh, I'm trying to think. Like, I had... I had the Chiefs, I think, going into the season, and I dropped them for the Colts because I like the Colts week one schedule. They're available. Not a lot of people were looking at the Colts uh, long term. And then I think I've since pivoted to the Saints who were dropped at some point during the season. And the Saints are my my DST and my my dynasty league. So it all depends. There's some it's it's pretty deep rosters. Uh, some people have two DSTs. I don't think anybody has three. Um, you know, you could find yourself getting in trouble if you don't have a good you're stuck, you know, trying to stream the Jets, the Jags, those type of mm. those type of defenses, and you're in trouble. So all depends on what you like. 
It really depends on how involved you want your league to be and how detailed you like it. If you really want to get into the minutia of football, use IDPs. If your league is a little more casual, just use DSTs. And that would be the same advice I would give for a redraft league as well as a dynasty league. Okay. Enjoy the games this weekend, everybody. Jamie, I know you will as well. Good luck to you in your picks and in your DFS lineups. Next time we talk to you on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, the games will be over. We'll review them, and we'll reflect on another position heading into 2021. For Jamie Eisenberg, producer Ben Schrager, I'm Dave Richard. Thanks for coming out. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.